Welcome to You Gotta Watch This. I am your host, Aaron, and I've got my other co-host here, Nick. And uh, this is the podcast where we watch every MCU film in order, all 23 films. Um, I know these films very well, and Nick has... Uh, knows almost nothing about them. Almost nothing. So we're going to, uh, it's kind of an experiment to see if we can make Nick a fan of of the Marvel movies. A total nerd, just like Aaron. (laughs) That's right, that's right. So this was, um, this is episode one. We just watched Iron Man. Uh, Nick, what's your hot take? My hot take is I loved it. First oh, of all, let all me right. just throw that out there. We didn't talk at all on the way up here to record. We were like, just, I said, don't say anything about it. I literally <laughs> ran up the stairs. Uh, that's how excited I was to talk about this. Mm. Uh, so Great. I loved it. I did love it. Um, I am a sucker for origin stories. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. And I did not realize that this was a full-on origin story, mm-hmm. that it didn't start with him already. I, I think that's sort of been one of my... Reasons for not getting into the Marvel thing. Interesting. I thought they were just kind of like, you know, I know a lot of them are origin stories and probably most of them will have origin stories. Right. But that's the fun part, you know? Yeah, Like yeah. the actual like fighting and stuff is a little like secondary to me. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I loved it. It was like the f- whole first hour. Yeah. was devoted to that backstory and how he made the first suit, which was really cool. I had mm. no idea there was like international terrorism like mm-hmm. involved in this story yeah um i we commented while we were watching that it was actually pretty good take on like the state of like arms manufacturing yeah and and, and how that gets into the hands of the wrong people um around the world and I forgot everyone's name <laughs> while we were watching, or the of the actors and actresses. So I had to ask, um, but I thought everybody did great. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Um, Jeff uh, Bridges. Bridges. Yeah. Was awesome. Yeah. Um, Robert Downey Jr. was awesome. Yeah. It's just awesome. Cool. Well, uh, let's get into our next segment, which I think might be my favorite. Uh, it's going to be my favorite, uh, okay. and that would be Nick's recap. <laughs> so, if you could, just for people maybe you haven't seen Iron Man for a while, you just saw it. What what happened? What's the plot? <laughs> okay, so Iron Man uh, wakes up one day. <laughs> and this is a bad start. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony Stark is uh, the, the runs a company, Stark Industries, weapons yeah. manufacturing, and I guess research and. Uh, development and he is kind of an asshole Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of lives the the good life Um, he's very rich very privileged and uh, gets kidnapped by these terrorists yeah who uh, initially we don't know uh, much about why that happened other than that he was wrong place wrong time or maybe I thought that they were going after him because they knew it was him. Sure. And he's uh, told to build that that super missile yeah. for the bad the guys. Jer- the Jericho missile. Jericho, yep. And uh, he uh, doesn't. He builds an uh, awesome... So I thought that was the weakest part, by the way, is that yeah. they, he was, they were able... He and the, the guy being held with him were able to build this functioning like Iron Man suit and like nobody really caught on until (laughs) it was like literally too late. Mm -hmm. Like I just thought that was a little, uh, uh, far fetched. Sure. 
Um, that was my. That's probably my only complaint. Okay. Um, but he builds this prototype. He blows all the bad guys to smithereens, and his buddy dies. Then he escapes. Then some other stuff happens. Yeah. He gets back. He decides he's gonna be a good guy. He's gonna save the world. Right. Uh, doesn't want to, you know, be part of the arms uh, dealing anymore. Sure. And then he is like, Pepper Potts, you're so hot. <laughs> yeah. She'd be my girlfriend. She's okay. like, no, no, no. Can't touch this. <laughs> and then it turns out, it turns out that Jeff Bridges was uh, a bad guy the whole time. That It was a hit. Uh, he's been selling uh, weapons shipments to the bad guys, uh, yeah. to the these terrorists and other fringe groups for profit. And all he cares about is the money and the the weaponry, and so he gets he builds his own Iron Man suit. What was it, Iron uh, Iron Monger? Iron yeah. yeah, and and they don't say that in the movie, um, but he does have a line where yeah, he, he says that he says he, he to him and Tony he says we're Iron Mongers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they have a showdown, and Tony wins, and then you see that uh, that group that was helping Pepper with the long name is actually shield, which yeah. I do know is something Marvel related. Yeah. Uh, and I'm guessing they're the people behind putting together the Avengers based on the post credit scene with Nick Fury. Yeah. Sam Jackson and, uh, something about the Avengers initiative. So I know in the future that mm-hmm. he, Tony, that Iron Man <laughs> is part of the Avengers. Right. I don't know much more than that. Okay. That's a pretty good recap. There's a part that you, you kind of skipped over, and I guess it's more just like an action sequence where he, when he finds out that Stark Industries is making sales, he doesn't really know Obadiah's uh, the extent of his involvement yet. But then he goes back to Afghanistan and blows up. A That's lot of right. Places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once then, he's got, he's perfected his his new suit. Right. And he blows those up. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now well, one, one thing I will say that was also a little. Um, not satisfying or unsatisfying was the the big bad terrorist guy. I, I don't know if he's given a name or if I maybe I just missed it. But mm-hmm. the the guy with the half burnt face. Right. Um, I, I wanted to see him eat it. Yeah. So I think it's implied that he dies because he gets paralyzed, uh-huh. and then um, Jeff Bridges uh, or Obadiah Stane, you know, lets us know like, oh, this is just temporary paralysis. It's the least of your worries. And then we steps outside the tent. I know he shot all the other guys, yeah. so it's implied that yeah. they took care of him because too. because the suit was in there with them, the uh, Tony Stark's first suit, and mm. then in the next scene it's back. Oh, in, yeah, okay. So I think they went in and just shot him up. It's okay. weird they didn't do it on camera, though. I will agree with that. Yeah, I think they wanted to like stress that that paralysis was non-fatal. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. And so I think I guess they were worried about having him die in that scene, and then pe- people yeah. confused that yeah. when they did uses it on right on Tony. Well, yeah. cool. Well, let's let's move into the actual discussion of the film. Let's. Uh, uh, you mentioned the you were you were dissatisfied uh, a little bit, or it kind of stretched your suspension of disbelief uh-huh. when he was building the suit in the cave, uh, and they didn't know it wasn't a, a missile. And I, I agree with that. I think that is is part of what you have to suspend your disbelief. But the um, there are watching it for like this is probably like my eight, eighth time watching it. Um, <laughs> I did notice a couple little things. Uh-huh. There's there is a moment where they're you know and they're, it's subtitled, but they're in the 
watching them on the security cameras and they're like uh, there's kind of like a joke they're like that mm-hmm. doesn't look like the missile at all and mm-hmm. they're like maybe it's a redesign and one of them is like no 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 it's it's right you're just looking at it upside down or something like, yeah. it's kind of played for laughs there right um and then they also showed and it was pretty i mean it's subtle so i don't know if this is the filmmaker's intention or if it's just something like i'm willing to like bridge that gap for them uh-huh. but there's one there's another sequence where they're watching them in the cameras and at first they're all like huddled around watching and then like shows time passing and then they're all like doing something else yeah like watching they're, TV. they're less and less interested yeah, yeah. And there's just one guy left and they're like what's he doing and he's like he's working and like mm-hmm. they just care a little less i guess you know we could also sort of explain it away by like obviously they're not smart enough to do to build the missile right themselves so they wouldn't know if he was doing it right so i, I get that but i just thought it was convenient that they like were able to put up a little partition where they could hide the suit that they were like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think um, and there is another piece to that when the, and I can't remember his name, but the, the bald guy who gets his face burned off, he, um, he watches, he, he does catch a little bit of it and he watches yeah. them messing with like, kind of like parts of like the leg. Yeah. And he's like, that has nothing to do with a missile. Yeah. And yeah. He does, That's like, when he kind of like yeah. figures it and, out. And he's like almost kills the guy and then, He's like, you have to do it tomorrow, and it kind of accelerates their mm-hmm. plan. Um, but I do, I do agree. And of course, the idea of building a suit rather than like a series of bombs to like, because exp- like that was pretty effective when they tried to open the door and they just blew the door up. Uh-huh. Uh, that might be a more practical <laughs> use of the weapons they had, but but the suit was pretty cool. I yeah. thought it was, it was a cool thing. Yeah, and we mentioned it when we were watching it. I thought it was interesting. It's something I never noticed before, but it has elements almost of like a monster movie uh-huh, where yeah. it's like you know especially that first scene in the cave where it's it's focusing a lot on the enemy soldiers and like their, their what they're feeling terror. yeah <laughs> and then you know you just get these like weird like low angle shots of iron man going yeah, through you just and see like, like his arm swinging yeah. and like the footage looks grainy and yeah weird and... exactly and it's um they repeat it later when it's obadiah standing in the iron monger suit in the factory he's oh yeah there's like a yeah, little yeah. bit of of that going on too where he's like in the shadows uh-huh. and it's almost like you know it's definitely more cinematic but it's almost unnecessary like why would he be like hiding yeah <laughs> for Gwyneth Paltrow to walk up or right. Pepper Potts to walk up and see him but like yeah he could have wiped them all out pretty easily like <laughs> yeah if he had just not introduced his presence but he he does he does mention he has a flair for the dramatic he didn't think he would but uh-huh. he, he he gets he gets into the suit the same way I guess Tony Stark does when he takes his Mark II flying, uh-huh. uh, you know, just to see what it can do. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, the suit stuff, and it's funny that I'm, I'm like, being like, oh, this part's I can't believe that they let them. And then you know, it's all this, you know, technology. I'm doing, right. you know, uh, some air quotes here, but uh, uh, it's just tantamount to magic or having superpowers. Yeah, I I do like. Um, because you know the first suit obviously doesn't have any kind of really computer interface. He's using the eye holes as literal eye holes. Right. It is implied there's some sort of like firmware running it, and uh-huh. he's got the computer, and uh-huh. uh, you see like the C code on the screen, you know, yeah. and, and all that stuff. Um, so that's neat. But then in the more advanced ones, obviously he's got the computer screen with the cameras and the view screen. I did like that. I liked. It's interesting because you are reminded that it this movie is 2008, you know, uh-huh. and so like. Uh, Tony Stark in the, in the movies always has more advanced technology than real life to just show that he is this technology 
uh, you know, he's an inventor and he just always right. has access to the best stuff. Right. And the 2008 version is still using like a regular cell phone and <laughs> yeah. he's got like really cool, like smart home tech in his house, which, but now though, the idea of like a talking, like vo- like digital assistant and, you know, being able to control like the lights and these alarms that tell you like the weather outside and all this stuff. That's, yeah. that's a reality for everybody now <laughs> right. in 2019. Yeah. But in 2008, that would have been really cool when that uh-huh. reporter wakes up in his house uh-huh. the next day. But, but yeah. There was, uh, there were a couple of moments where, you know, when uh, Pepper Potts was downloading the the data from his work computer, yeah, you know, and hacking the, like <laughs> the mainframe, yeah, that uh, was a little funny to me, mm-hmm. um, just in how it was presented as, yeah, uh, the like I don't know, and she like it pretty much did everything she wanted without her really doing anything to the computer, yeah. Yeah, I th- I think if I was to read into that, that he had programmed, written a program. Yeah, and that yeah, it would be all she has to do was just physically Put attach it. it. Yeah. yeah, I did like uh, I it, we we do see her acting nervous coming in there, and I think it was it was you or Megan who said, well, you know, she's Tony Stark's assistant, she should be able to just go into his office, and it shouldn't be a big deal. And it turns out it's not a big deal that she's in there. Like Obadiah Stane walks yeah. in on her, and he's just kind of talking to her. You think at first that he's caught her, right? And you know, yeah, but he's talking what does he about. Say? I know. What, what are we going to do about this or yes, something like that? It's yeah. very like you know, and but uh, what you're seeing is her nervousness of being in there is not that I'm not supposed to be here, but she knows what she's doing is mm-hmm. you know dangerous. So I thought that was a neat little interplay, and her being caught like almost immediately. She's not really caught, you right. know, Until the end. I, I forgot how much um, Agent Coulson was in it. The yeah, the he's, agent. he's introduced pretty early. Yeah, he is. He um, is. I'm assuming he makes returns in in some of the other movies. Yes. Um, I won't. We won't get too much into that. Oh but yeah, yeah. I don't say, don't spoil me. He he comes he comes back. I liked how um, I wasn't sure if they shortened it to Shield in this movie or not, but the the running a running joke in it is. Because he keeps referring to it as the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. <laughs> and every time he says where he's from, everybody complains about the name. He's yeah. like, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on a shorter <laughs> name. And then, yeah, it was it was funny when he the last time we see him and uh, Pepper Potts is like repeating the name of it. And he's like, just call it S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and Megan was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> did you know what it was no, right away? I did not. Oh, okay, no, great. Yeah, until, until he said that, I didn't get it. That's awesome. It, even when they were like going with Pepper Potts to look for Obadiah to arrest him, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, and I almost said it out loud, I remember thinking, man, it's lucky that she just found this low-level, like, <laughs> like cut-rate CIA group to help her out. <laughs> These poor guys are just going to get slaughtered. I wonder, you know, yeah. I just remember thinking, like, oh, they have nothing to do with this. <laughs> it's it's actually great um, watching and seeing how it works, because he keeps popping in, and, you know, and they treat him as very... Um, like not interesting to them at all mm-hmm. and like not something that they need to concern themselves with. And he only makes the appointment with Agent Colson because he's distracted by Pepper Potts at the event. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. We'll meet on that day because, yeah. you know, Agent Colson sets a day and that's the day she happens to break yeah. in. <laughs> and so he just happens to be there. I think that's Very really, fortuitous. yeah, really, I think it's really neat, you know, and, and, you know, he's like, did you forget about it? She's like, no, we're doing it right now. Let's go, let's go. Because she knows she's been compromised. Yeah. And, and brings him along. So that's pretty great. So as a superhero film, I think it's, I mean, it does have the origin story. Um, it dispenses with the um, secret identity piece, like at the very end of the movie. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. They, they definitely set it up and it's funny because he mentions 
um, how the cover story, which is that Iron Man is his bodyguard. And uh-huh. he says, that's it's pretty flimsy. That's actually the cover story in the comics for like is 10 it? years. Yeah. Oh, is that, wow. and it's not, it's not until way later in the comics that he decides, you know, to just say, no, I'm an iron iron man. I've been iron man the whole time. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it was kind of the moment when the MCU decided they weren't going to care too much about secret identities, okay. you know? So that's, yeah. that's not something they're focused on is like the masks and, and who are these people? You I know? am glad they did that. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, I think one of the more tiresome things to me, and like I guess it makes sense in the co- in the old comics, like mm-hmm. you know that's part of the thing is the secret identity and and right. just that I don't know, but it just bores me sometimes. It, I mean, it goes all the way back to like the '30s, like Superman and Batman. You know, that was the whole thing. You know, mild mannered Clark Kent, right, and, right, and they live a dual life, and well, and that's the idea of the hero even prior to that, like you know the just the masked mysterious yeah, stranger sure. yeah. sort of thing, yeah. So I I do like they kind of dispense with that and that is that's a better look for Iron Man because you know he's definitely all about taking the credit you mm-hmm. know he's not this selfless right. you know person um and and that's something that's kind of endearing uh, about about Iron Man that I like to so see. So what 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 did I say about him in the oh, yeah. pre episode? Gruff but lovable do-gooder. Okay, gruff but lovable do-gooder. Maybe by the end you could you could maybe make that argument. <laughs> uh, but he's not gruff. He's no. very slick. He, he's slick. I mean, he can be short with people, mm-hmm. and so maybe you can interpret that as gruff. Uh-huh. You know, um, very quick witted. You know, very quick with yeah. the saying stuff. The moments where he's interacting with his robot helpers when he's building the suit uh-huh. were so hilarious to yeah. me. Or he's the way he's talking to them, and the one with the fire extinguisher yeah. extension. Yeah. That was so good. But uh, so he could be kind of gruff with them. But yeah, I, gruff is not in the top. 35 words I would use to <laughs> describe him. Uh, I would say maybe more like a rascal. A rascal, yeah? Yeah, he's a yeah. rascal with a heart of gold. Or, mm-hmm. or he realizes that, that he has a heart of gold. It's, it's yeah. his awakening story. Not, not even just the origin story of, this, of, the, of the suit, and like, mm-hmm. but it's really like his wake-up call. You yeah. know, when he realized that this, he was directly responsible for death and destruction right. and, you know, the... Um, his weapons were being used for no good. I think it was that it was that moment, and it happens like right near the beginning where the the his um, caravan is is ambushed, uh-huh. and you know all the people in the he was bonding with in the Humvee die, and he he comes out and a bomb lands right next to him, and it just says you know it's it's exactly facing him. It says Stark Industries yeah. on it, and he's kind of like okay, this is all my fault, uh-huh. and that's that's the moment where he kind of realizes. He's got to make a change. Uh-huh. And it's in stark contrast to when we get the the flashback, you know, the 36 hours earlier, and he's got that Vanity Fair reporter yeah, yeah. who's grilling him, and he's, you know, given all the justifications for why it's okay that he's selling weapons. Right. You know, it's 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 really interesting. Uh, I, I think it's a good um, – it's a, it's a good uh, commentary on, on that style. Absolutely, you know? yeah. All right. So what are we at now? So let's um let's do a pop quiz. Okay, pop quiz. Ding 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 ding. So I'm gonna ask you, Nick, what year did Iron Man debut in the comics? Uh, I've got multiple choice. Don't, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> uh, 1943. Uh huh. 1963. Uh huh. 1972. Uh huh. 1991. Okay. Now, I you 
I think you let this slip when we were happened okay. to be talking about the comics. Okay, I might have. <laughs> uh, and I, I want to say it's 1963. 1963 is correct. That's I right. don't know if I would have gotten that right otherwise. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he's from, his debut was in Tales of Suspense number 39. Now, what it, Tales of Suspense is, was that? It was an anthology book. Okay. Um, it sounds like more like horror or something yeah and and that's what kind of comics were um well there was the superhero comics you know that dc did and then uh, marvel comics which used to be atlas comics they um they weren't really into superheroes as much they were more about horror science fiction yeah yeah um those kinds of stories that's what that's vamps and space tramps that's right that's right it's their slogan so they had um they focused on that and they had a lot of anthology books um tales of suspense and and it was one of them and about episode i mean uh, issue 39 is when they debuted iron man and from that point on half the book was iron man so Mm. they would get about 13 pages and then the other 13 pages would be a um another anthology tale or whatever Mm, so it it took over and became um you know a a regular i mean it wasn't super popular i mean around this time in the 60s 1963 already had um, Fantastic Four had been out for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and Spider-Man was out, and those were the two big ones. Okay, and that was um, those were their superhero, uh, you know, books at the time. But they were always looking to you know get a deeper bench and try to compete with DC Comics, and so that's what where Iron Man came from. And of course, he wasn't uh, ambushed in Afghanistan in 1963. The analog there would, was Vietnam. Yeah. So he was in Vietnam. Same thing. Solo weapons manufacturer. I actually read Tales of Suspense 39 this morning, um, because just to see how I never read it before, and I just yeah. wanted to see how how close it was. And it's pretty much from when he's captured to when um, he escapes from the cave and, and uh, destroys the camp. That's that's tale that's Tales of Suspense 39. Wow. Um, he meets Jensen in the uh, in the caves. Um, he's um, a Chinese um, professor, though, instead oh, of okay. um, you know Jensen being from Afghanistan. Um, and so it, it's it's the same basic idea, though. He's told to build weapons. Instead, he builds a suit. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the whole arc reactor bit, um, okay. which was was unique to this, which I thought was pretty cool. But um, they do mention he has electromagnetic. Um, electromagnet in his chest to keep the shrapnel. That's the same. So, okay, that was another thing that bothered me. Yeah. Was if, I mean, it's just shrapnel, right? Yeah. I get it that it's real small, but, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the technology he's got, you'd think he would have been able to perfect some sort of, like, surgery, like, (laughs) to get that out of him and not have to keep that inside of him to keep the shrapnel from hitting his heart. keep... Keep watching the movies, I'll okay. say. Uh, but yeah, the um, the idea was that those weapons, because they're his weapons, you know, were so well designed, and that shrapnel was so difficult to get out mm-hmm. that Jensen tried what what he could, you know. Um, going going back to the um, the film uh, and talk, one of the things I did like about Tony Stark, and I didn't because I, I liked Iron Man when I was a kid. I didn't read a lot of his books, but I, I liked the idea of him, and I was aware of him. Um, but they really focus on it in this movie that he's not so much like a he's a tech guy, but he's also like kind of a grease monkey, you know, like uh-huh. he builds an engine in his garage. Yeah, and yeah. He definitely, you know, is there like blacksmithing basically in that cave. He's and got the technical and physical know-how to, to actually make yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's he's more of um, and this is something that is from the comics. He's more of a mechanic uh-huh. than, you know, somebody like Mr. Fantastic, who's, uh-huh. you know, builds technology. You right. Know? So but. Um, 
Who's the, now? Who's that? He's the he's from Fantastic Four. Okay. Yeah. Now I I will say um. It, it also reminded me of the character I forget his real name, but Ozymandias yeah. from um mm-hmm. Watchmen. Yeah. Who, you know, clearly was turned out to be the bad guy. Spoilers. Um, Spoilers for Watchmen. But yeah. he. He definitely was sort of that, like, you know, superhero persona built on technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, supreme intellect, too. Yeah. That's his whole deal. Ozymandias yeah. was that he he was, like, the man who knew everything uh-huh. or something like that. And, but yeah. he definitely didn't have that physical component of, like, I'm going to make it myself. Right, right. Yeah. You know, if, if, if this had been him making the suit, he would have, like, had it made. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. But I, I do like that about... Um, the Tony Stark character is that mm-hmm. yeah he is independent and it is you know he's had an idea and he's not going to farm it out yeah he's just going to do it right do it and do it on his own I like that he didn't come back from the cave and then immediately build the Mark II you know like you see, you see all the trial and error the yeah. flight tests yeah and, and those were really fun mm-hmm. that was a lot of <laughs> the very first one when he flips upside down and hits the, the other wall yeah yeah oh, man caught me off guard yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of comedy in this first one, and it kind of becomes the Marvel style to yeah. make sure it's they're action comedies, and there's yeah. definitely enough. Uh, there's a lot of laughs in, in almost all of them, uh-huh. uh, which is nice. I read uh, an article this morning that mentioned how uh, instead of going after um, action uh, movie directors for these movies, they went after ones that were were more about the characters uh-huh. and could and could bring that humor out. And I think I think these Marvel movies are very character driven. Uh-huh. And so it's not just about the action set pieces. Um, and they were actually inspired by Sam Raimi and Brian Singer for um, for Spider-Man and X-Men, respectively. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they did, too. Neither one of them were, like, big blockbuster directors at the time. Mm-hmm. And John Favreau was the same way. People knew him, but he wasn't, like, you know, it was it was kind of a gamble. Right. You know? And, of course, I mean, speaking of gambles, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. was a huge gamble at the time. I'm thinking maybe... Uh I'm confusing Robert Downey Jr.'s story with Iron Man's story. When I was talking about like <laughs> how he has to like come kind of reinvent himself or yeah. like, I I th- I think maybe I'm just thinking of Robert Downey Jr. He's like <laughs> kind of like disgraced, him, yeah. you know, kind of fallen on hard times, yeah. not having a lot of work. It's, so it's really interesting that you say that because John originally they were going to cast uh, No Name because uh, the idea was. And probably to save a little bit of money. But the idea was you don't need like Tom Cruise to be Iron Man because the star of the movie is Iron Man and right. not not the, uh, the not the face, the actor. And then John Favreau uh, and that was John Favreau's idea. And then he kind of changed course during production. He said, you know what? It's got to be Robert Downey Jr. And he's John Favreau is a fan of the comics. He's a big fan of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And so he w- he thought Robert Downey Jr. story is Tony Stark's story. Oh. And so he, he was like the. Like the only person who really would know how to play Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. So it's interesting that you get him confused. That was kind of the John Favreau's point. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and of course in in this one they kind of um, they didn't lean so much on some of his defects from the comics. In the comics, he's an alcoholic. Okay. And uh, you know, so he's he's kind of messy around there. And mm-hmm. in the movie, it's more about his Playboy lifestyle and the fact that he truly doesn't really care about the fact that he makes weapons right. and kill people. Right. And but that's still like that's something he has to you know learn to balance and uh, well not balance that part he, he wants to stop the weapons manufacturing but he learns to balance his playboy lifestyle and mm-hmm. you know and actually do something and i think he got a, a an idea of his what his legacy would be if he didn't change course and he right. didn't like that yeah um 
So it's it's interesting that you say that. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Um, is somebody that um, they like. There's no way he can anchor this movie, especially if you're talking about you know a cinematic universe, which is something they kind of played with the idea of doing, but it wasn't like a foregone conclusion because who would think to do that? You know, yeah. this independent studio is trying to make their first movie ever. You know, they weren't like, oh, we're going to make 22 of these or right. 23 of these. Right. And it's going to be, you know, the biggest, most profitable franchise in the world. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they were just trying to get this one movie off the ground and they just planted the seeds um, for it in that post credit scene with uh-huh. Samuel L. Jackson. But uh, Robert Downey Jr. actually only made like $500,000 for his role. Oh, as Iron Man, because that's all he could command. You that's know? crazy. Uh, of course, it changed. I, I don't. Oh, I'm think sure they, he they had a to ton invent a ton of money after that. They though. had to invent a new kind of math to pay him. I think <laughs> in the later movies, but because he became you know the central figure, yeah. because he's and I think that's how John Farr was able to sell him is because even though he was risky, I mean he there's no denying that he is super talented. Mm-hmm. Um, something we didn't talk about beforehand, but when they started shooting this film. Uh, they really didn't have a script, uh, a shooting script. They had like an idea of what they were going to do, but a lot of the dialogue was ad-libbed really? by, yeah, by wow. Robert Downey Jr. And it gave them, they love doing it that way. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., you can tell that's kind of his style. Yeah. And so it's got this improvisational feel to it, you know, and the way he talks and, and everything. That's because none of the stuff was written down. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Like when you hear all the different pieces, you're like, there's no way that could work. But it did work, yeah. you know. Like so, neat. I, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, let's talk a little bit about the box office. This film opened to ninety-eight million dollars in two thousand eight, which was a pretty big hit. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty. Yeah, s- that's a nut chump change. That's a that's a pretty amazing for you know an independent film essentially untested studio. It went on to make three hundred eighteen million domestic and 585 million worldwide so half a billion dollars in 2008 that's a lot of clams yeah they um they did very well for themselves and it i think if it hadn't made that kind of money um or been as successful that could have changed things a, a lot as well right so it, it definitely did a lot uh, what did you think about um terrence howard as as Rhodes? i thought i thought he was great yeah um they kind of threw a little funny thing in there, you know, like the classic, like, first act, second act, third act arc of, like, friends, like, we're best friends, now we've had a fight, but now we're friends again. Right. Um, which I thought was, you know, uh, not. it's hard not to see that when you see it. Yeah. Um, but I thought uh, he was pretty good. They didn't give him a, a, a whole lot of chance to develop as a character. I mean, he he's only really presented, like through the lens of how he interacts and is useful to Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, so that's a character, and, and I don't think I'm going to spoil anything with you. Terrence Howard, that's his only um, credit in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm, okay. um, he's one of the very few roles. James Rhodes is one of the very few roles that was recast. Really? Uh, yeah, um, after the fact, because James Rhodes is an important part of the MCU. Um, but there are rumors that um, John Favreau wasn't pleased with Terrence Howard's performance. Really? That he had to, they just had to do a lot of takes to get what he needed. Huh. And then, um, of course, there's a whole big thing for the the second film um, that they had to obviously pay Robert Downey Jr. a little more because uh, he was the temp, you know, the main mm-hmm. star. Um, and but they didn't magically get more money to make them because they're still an independent studio. Mm-hmm. Disney hasn't come around yet with its unlimited funds, so they had to actually reduce Terrence Howard's paycheck. Cause Terrence Ooh. Howard was the highest paid actor on that. Um, wow. in that film okay um because of his you know his 
career at that point. What, he was commanding that. What's the show he's on? Hustle and Flow, is that right? Is that right? I don't know. Okay. No, Empire. Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hustle Empire. and Flow is a movie that he was in. Okay. Um, and so part of that was, I mean, and it makes sense for him to not come back because if he's offered, you know, you're offered a certain amount of money for the first movie and the second movie they offer you less, you know, you from a career standpoint, you can't take the less lesser amount of money because that that affects your future you know, potential yeah. learning. So I, I understand that. I mean, you'd really have to, it would be making a sacrifice. You'd have to really want to stay on. But yeah. I think, I think both parties were kind of, you know, like fine it's, with it. Yeah. Like let's, we're not going to do this. That's interesting. So he's, uh, I didn't re- notice anything with the performance. Yeah. I mean, I can't particularly say that it was, you know, super engaging, but right. I didn't think that character needed to be. Sure. Um. So I won't, tell you my opinion on who he's recast with but he is recast by don Cheadle. oh interesting yeah so don don Cheadle will play uh james rhodes for the rest of the mcu okay i guess i'll i'll hold my opinion until i see his performance mm, and you can compare the compare the two it always i always almost kind of forget because you know james rhodes in so many films and uh-huh. it's just don Cheadle for you know it's just this one he's terrence howard interesting so, yeah uh cool any other thoughts on on Iron Man? Was it what you were expecting? No, not at all. Okay. So go and I didn't fully finish that point. I don't think. Um, going back to the whole like, you know, I didn't have a lot of interest going into it because I thought it was just like gonna be a guy in a suit fighting stuff for two hours. <laughs> right. You know, and and I I didn't. It just the um, the cinematic um flavor i guess of like being in the desert and uh i just didn't know any of that was coming yeah and i liked it it it, i really thought this was going to be a slick um flashy kind of goofy movie but it was it was much better than i than Mm -hmm. i really uh, expected i will say once or twice the cg um showed its age yeah and that's i mean that's almost unavoidable yeah you know yeah uh, when it, you're talking about a movie that's 11 years old, right? And it, it, you know, at some point, you just kind of you just roll with it. Yeah, you know. And I, I'm sure it blew everybody away. It in did. It was a big deal. I know that uh, John Favreau was one of his main concerns doing it was he wanted to make sure he wanted to minimize as much as possible the transition when it goes from practical effects to CGI. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think he did a pretty good job on the whole of yeah. keeping it. You know, from just all of a sudden turning into like a cartoon, right? You know, um, Industrial Light and Magic, of course, did work on it. Uh-huh. Uh, he he did uh, engage them to to do the work. And, cool. You know, it's you know, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Two thousand eight, that was probably the best that could be done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, what you got? So, I mean, I think uh, we can move into Aaron's trivia corner. Yeah, trivia corner. So we didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about how you would be singing <laughs> the transition yeah, themes. It's like diegetic music just right into the... Yeah, yeah. I thought <laughs> I would surprise you with that. Great. Well, it's been a wonderful surprise so far. <laughs> um, so this is something I didn't know when I was reading about this movie. Um, this movie has been like started in production. Of course, it came out in 2008. It's been in production since 1990. Oh, uh, really? That's when it started. Universal, <laughs> Universal Studios bought the rights... Um, and they were on it to make an Iron Man movie back in 1990. So this would have been right after Batman came out. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know what their thought process was, but Iron Man has always been the much, much, much less popular analog to Batman. Hmm. Um, they're both, you know, 
wealthy playboys who have a double life mm-hmm. as a superhero. Of course, very obviously very very different. Um, but um, you know, there's there's that analog. They're both sure millionaires at the time, and of course now they're billionaires. Yeah, but right. you know, they uh, they've got all these unlimited funds to make their toys and and punish criminals. So they bought it in 1990. Um, didn't really do much with it. In 1996, uh, Fox acquired the rights. And at that point, it looked like it was going to pick up steam. They really wanted to do it. Uh, Stan Lee had actually co-written a script hmm. that would have had uh, Modoc be the villain. And now who's that? He's uh, a really goofy character. Okay. I'm going to show you a picture of him. But he's he's basically like just a giant head, and it's he's, <laughs> he's nuts. But um, at that point, Nicolas Cage and Tom Cruise were both like, oh, I could be Iron Man. And yeah. there was kind of, you know, just Hollywood talk. You yeah, know, nothing, yeah. No, no. Uh, checks were being written but uh-huh. it was you know that was the kind of talk and uh when those things kind of started to fall through they actually went to quentin tarantino and they were like would you be interested in writing and directing interesting um the film and of course no, nothing ever happened with fox so new line studios brought the rights in 1999 like late 1999 and they had actually had talked to joss whedon who is a comic uh-huh. book writer yeah. and firefly of course and would later go on to direct avengers uh-huh. um, and they were like would you like to direct this and it didn't really they were working on it until 2006 and it just, things kept falling through. New directors kept getting attached and mm-hmm. things just were not happening. And because they, I guess they waited so long, the rights reverted back to Marvel. Oh, wow. And so that's when Marvel was like, okay, we've got Iron Man back. And at the time Marvel had been licensing everything out. They'd been selling, you know, they sold Spider-Man to Sony and mm-hmm. X-Men to Fox. And they were kind of frustrated because they had creative people within Marvel who were giving advice to the studios and they weren't always being listened to and they were like you know we know this could be good if you know we had control and so that's when they decided um and plus they, they thought they'd get a bigger piece of the pie too they were had their own so they made their own studio with what rights they had left and they kind of looked and they're like okay we got iron man we got captain america we have thor these aren't like the big names but we're we this is what we got this is the hand we have yeah we got up we got to play the hand we're dealt right and uh it's, it's amazing what they were able to do um, so to get funding for the film, Marvel had to use what little they had left, uh, Iron Man, Thor, uh, and Captain America. They had to use them as collateral, uh, for the loan. <laughs> and so if this movie had failed, they would have lost the rights to what everything they had left and it would have been their swift exit from that's wild. Yeah. The market. And then we would have had, um, Iron Man presented by Wells Fargo. That's right. <laughs> the, presumably the bank would have sold <laughs> to a studio. Nope. But probably it would have found, found a similar, you know, thing where it would have bounced from studio to studio. And, you know, it just, you know, nobody really. Because the thing is, Iron Man was made out of necessity because it's all Marvel had. So they were like, we're going to make this work. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's interesting because Iron Man is huge now because of these movies. But before that, he was very minor. They actually had to do focus groups when Marvel got the rights back to to kind of battle the preconception that Iron Man was a robot. <laughs> that's that's uh, what people, you know, that was a common misconception. Really? And so they were like, okay, well, you know, we got to make sure people understand what this character is. Yeah. We don't want to show it's a superhero movie about a robot. That's weird, uh-huh. you know. So um, one of the things, um, and they actually announced this in, in 2006 when Marvel got the rights and said, hey, we're making this movie, our very first movie. We're going to do it ourselves. They announced that Mandarin was going to be the villain. And so Mandarin is Iron Man's arch nemesis. And he is a, a character that has um, 10 magic rings 
they're like alien uh, rings. And if you notice, the, yeah, the, the terrorist group was called the Ten Rings. Yeah, and that's okay. kind of all that was left. He's a very difficult character to do. He's definitely a product of the 60s, you okay. know, with like communist China yeah. and, and all that stuff. And so they were like, yeah, I don't really know how we're going to adapt this. So they, they pulled back a little bit. But that's where the Ten Rings comes from. Is, Interesting. And they, they kind of wanted to maybe leave it open that maybe Mandarin was behind the scenes pulling okay. the strings. But, of course, they never mentioned his name. Sure. This, so that's neat. I thought that was that was pretty neat. So let's see where we're at in our segment ometer here. Segment ometer. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's going through the roof right now. We're about <laughs> to I think we're about to hit a new segment. So um this is a this is a segment um that I think is probably gonna be more relevant in later films, but the idea of the cinematic universe was kind of created by this. I mean, there's been sequels before Batman one, Batman two, and there, and you know, the Superman films and the X-Men films, but they all existed in silos, you know, and Batman and Superman didn't, you know, meet until after, of course, the Marvel cinematic universe had taken off. That's when they put them together. So the idea of the shared universe was, was pretty much brand new. Um, And they didn't know they were going to do this because it's such a crazy, ambitious idea. And they were just trying to get their first movie off the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, But, Kevin Feige, who is uh, a producer on this movie, I think an executive producer, um, but he, um, and it, of course, eventually became the main creative force behind all these movies. Uh-huh. He's, the, he's the big name in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was going to say, uh, we, you've said that name yeah. before. Yeah, Kevin Feige is 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 like the creative force, and um, he he did want to plant those seeds. Because when you look at the, the characters they had, they had Thor, um, and I, I didn't mention this, but they had Hulk. Iron Man and Captain America, those are the uh, original Avengers. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, Avengers are, are like kind of the Marvel's version of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, if things go right, we could maybe do this. Right. And so um, that's when they threw that post credit scene. And it, it's it's funny because John Favreau talked about this. Uh, I read this Vanity Fair article about it. And he, he was a little hesitant at first because they wanted to have Samuel L. Jackson be Nick Fury. Um, and the story with Nick Fury, Nick Fury is from like the World War II era of Marvel Comics. Mm. And he was a soldier who later became a spy and the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, okay. And he was always a white guy in the comics. Um, but then the Ultimate Universe, uh, Marvel created the Ultimate Universe, which was kind of like a reimagining of all the, the stories. Oh, okay. And in the Ultimate uh, Universe, they modeled Nick Fury after Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, this was like in the, like the late nineties. Huh. They were like, so they did that on purpose. On purpose, with his permission. Okay. They were like, hey, we want to do this. What do you think? And he's like, I love it. And they even in the comics, Nick Fury, well before any of these movies came out, Nick Fury uh, in the comics remarked that if they were to ever make movies, Samuel L. Jackson is the only person who could play him. <laughs> and so, um, and it's definitely the right choice, but. Uh, John Favreau didn't want Samuel Jackson in the movie for like 10 seconds. He thought it would confuse people like, wait, oh, what's happening? You yeah, know? Like, yeah. So they, they kind of settled on doing it after the credits. So if you were just there to see things blow up and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, you got you, it. You got it. And if you were a hardcore fan and you stayed through the end of the credits, uh-huh. then you see you, Nick you're Fury rewarded. There. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he says the Avengers in- initiative, you know, that wouldn't mean, you know, of course, now we all know what Avengers are. But back in 2008, you, right. know, you had to be a nerd uh-huh. to know what the Avengers were. And so it was it was just that little Easter egg. And it started the tradition. All of these films have uh, post credit scenes yeah. that, that tie into It's that. interesting that that... Uh, almost happened by like happenstance it was uh, yeah. it was almost by accident mm-hmm. that's neat yeah 
Uh, and it, it's crazy. It's it's the largest franchise, $22 billion, I mm-hmm. think, worldwide since 2008. That's neat. So um, another one, another segment we're going to do, um, not today, because your rankings would mm-hmm. be just this, this is movie. number one. Number one. Um, but we'll not, eventually... Not counting the, the ones that, you know, I've seen. <laughs> we'll eventually get into rankings. Uh, okay. But um, I guess we can move on to... Uh, an interesting segment. It's called How Much Does Nick Know About Next Week's Film? Oh. Do you know what the next film is? I do because you brought it today. <laughs> uh, and if uh, we hadn't talked about it, I would not know. Okay. Uh, it's Hulk. Yeah. Uh, is it The Incredible Hulk? The Incredible Hulk. Okay. Uh, he is incredible. Yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> uh, you are incredulous. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> He, uh, so it's a guy, he's a, uh, and you know, he's been around. What's, what's his name? Oh, that I don't know. <laughs> uh, if you had to guess. Um, what does your gut tell you his name is? No wrong answers. Philip. Nope, wrong. Farmington. <laughs> Philip Farmington. Well, so it's interesting. You got the alliteration right. It's okay. Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't, you know, clearly. <laughs> you, you obviously did not know. But, but I've heard you, that. You recognize yeah. the name. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bruce Banner. And I remember the, the TV show um, that, yeah. uh, way back in the day. And it was just, uh, I don't remember the actor. He was just Lou a strong. Lou Yeah, it was Lou Frigno. And he was just big. He was just strong. Yeah. And they would put a green wig on him and paint him green. Yeah. And he looked like an idiot. He was actually, um, and I, I'm not sure who played him, who played... Uh, when he wasn't angry because Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk and there was another yeah. actor. Um, but he was, he was actually David Banner in that instead of Bruce. Oh, Banner. interesting. And just a weird little change they made. It's just a different Hulk. Yeah. There's two Hulks. He's well, the, he's the slightly <laughs> more credible Hulk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Cause he's not as enormous he's, yeah. as the girl. He's just, you know, he's a just, large man. <laughs> he's just green now. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I know that you know, he gets mad. That's his trick. When he gets sure. angry, he can change. Although okay. I think they, I think I do know that I know the joke from one of the later movies okay. where he says something about, uh, that's the trick. I'm always angry. Yeah. I told you that. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. So I, I do know specifically about this film that I don't, I, well, I think I know, I should say. Sure. Um, that I don't think it was very well received. Okay. Um, and I remember there being a whole lot of hoopla about, um, because this is uh, what's his face Ed um, Norton Ed Norton mm-hmm. who I really enjoy um, and something about he wanted to have more control in the creative process yeah. than um, he was given or he kind of expected that he would have more and he wasn't given that and this, so there was there was some tension there and he was recast obviously after yeah. that and and that's mainly. Um, because he was casted in in the in in this film, and this is actually the only MCU film to be distributed by Universal, okay. and that's because Universal has a deal where they get first right of refusal to distribute these Hulk films. That's part of their license, and they have that in perpetuity. It's huh. also a good reason, or one of the main reasons, why there hasn't been another Hulk oh, movie. Interesting, because uh, Disney doesn't want Universal getting a little taste. Uh, <laughs> and and honestly, Hulk works better as seasoning on another film uh-huh. rather than as his own. Yeah, as we'll see in in next week's episode. Uh, but yeah, uh, just to talk about that a little bit. You're absolutely right. When Edward Norton was brought on, you know, he has a lot of clout and a lot of influence and pull. And so he was able to rewrite the film and exert a lot of his creative influence into this film. 
and um, when Disney bought Marvel Studios and started releasing them under Buena Vista and doing their own thing, um, and they started making sure they had a house style and the cinematic universe was definitely 100% in full swing, uh-huh. they wanted they you know they didn't want individual actors, however talented or influential they might be, to have that sort of control. Right. They Kevin Feige gets to make the decisions, not Edward Norton, mm-hmm. and they both decided it was in the best interest for that role to be recast and gotcha honestly i couldn't imagine edward norton um p- being in the in the role mark ruffalo's who, who took over yeah. and definitely a supporting character in these films uh-huh. and edward norton is more of a leading man yeah. so it would be interesting to see I, I don't i can't imagine how that would have worked yeah so it was a good move for everybody well that's cool yeah um okay yeah so you know you know a fair amount yeah so what? How how do you think uh, Bruce Banner gets his powers? How do you how do you think he turns into the? Incredible oh Hulk? right, uh, he like falls into a radioactive swamp or something. Okay, radioactive swamp. Yeah, I'm All going right. with I'm going with <laughs> swamp that has had nuclear barrels thrown in it. Okay. You know, barrels with like the nuclear symbol. Sure. Unclear. It's just like green slime. Man. And they've they've been thrown. But they've who, been who, thrown. Who, Ooh, <laughs> that's the question that we'll find out. Who has thrown the barrels? <laughs> Cool. Well, I think it's evident you do not know much about next week's film. <laughs> Thank you for enlightening us. Yeah. Um, so let's check in on Nick's Marvel interest meter, the NMIM. Uh, NMIM is high right high. now. Okay. Yeah, it's high. Feeling, um, feeling good. Yeah. I'm, I'm riding. I'm riding the high of Iron Man right yeah. now. Um, I'm really. I enjoyed it uh, more than I thought I would. Good. And I, I knew I was going to enjoy it. But how it, cool was that last line? Oh uh, yeah, I am Iron Man. Yeah, it it's, was pretty cool. It's great. Uh, yeah, it's high. I'm. It's tempered by knowing that this next one isn't as good. <laughs> but it's it's just something we got to get through. I, I really and I'm I'm gonna have to check myself because my opinion uh, should have no bearing on your opinion okay so i will try to reserve my judgment and i think i think <laughs> you're you're kind of like you mentioned you're going just in the what's out in the ether you uh-huh. know what you kind of know uh-huh. about this next one but i will try to uh withhold what i think until you've had your hot take okay and that'll be my promise going forward and if you could promise to go in with an open mind which i think you will absolutely then i think absolutely. We're, we're in good shape yeah all right well uh with that nick you gotta watch this listening to our podcast we want to hear from you you can reach out to us on email at you gotta watch this podcast at gmail.com you can also reach us at facebook or instagram at you gotta watch this podcast or on twitter at gotta underscore watch thanks